Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So this is kind of a funny situation that you and I are spending a lot of time in the middle of a day, in the middle of a week, in tax season. It is traditionally in the accounting world known as tax season, January through April um, every year. And so recently I've been sending you screenshots of memories coming up on social media of when I was a tax season widow and just uh, sharing all my complaints and whines with the whole world because I guess 13 years ago, that's what you did. Uh, or maybe that's just what I did. I think, I think Facebook at one time asked what's on your mind and people <laughs> took that literally and they, they shared that. But what was the last one that the most recent one that I just shared, I think was from a February 1st date, which it's been so long since we've lived that lifestyle. Thankfully, yeah. I am so thankful. I am so grateful that we don't live that lifestyle anymore. But February 1st already saying that I missed my husband and, you know, tax season had only begun. Yeah. I didn't remember it starting that early where you were already having to work uh, late nights and even starting to work weekends. Yeah. So that was, uh, February 1st, I think if it hasn't already been shared, I'm going to share that on social media with my thoughts as well. And it was 13 years ago, which at some point also makes me really sad because 13 years ago, I was 27. The girls were two and four, right? Like just trying to think through, like if you could go back to your 20 year old self with two younger kids, like would you be exchanging your time? It, you know, it, that's kind of what it goes back to. Like your job, you're essentially getting paid to exchange your time away from your family to do your job. And so would I have exchanged my time to stay late and do tax returns for that people don't value the, I mean, I guess they value the compliance piece knowing that they're fine, but I don't know. It's people, just a different People value time. staying out of jail and sure. uh, getting huge tax penalty and interest bills. Yeah. So there is, there is definitely value there. But there's also a different way to go about business. And we have changed our model um, to do business better than I was doing 13 years ago in the firm that I was a part of. And we understand that our team exchanges their life for pay. And as part of that, we want to make that exchange as pleasant as possible. Right. And so it's a big ask nowadays, um, to, to ask somebody to, to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And that is still all too common in our industry. And I, I know that because I have friends that still do that. And I have friends that own firms where their team still does that. And that is, I can't imagine, um, you know, so th those are the small changes that we have made 
over the, there are small changes that we have made over the years to set our business up a little bit different and it took a whole different business model but yeah when you when you share those there was one that you shared from 14 years ago where it was like a january date and i'm like what what could i have been doing in january like 1099s or w2s and you know january is a hard month on accountants in the accounting industry because you've got 1099s which nobody values that like the CPAs and the accountants value 1099s way more than the client way more than probably even the government does. And it's like a necessary evil that we all have to get through and clients hate the process. We hate the process. So it's just miserable. January is usually not a fun month. February is kind of, you start to see people if you're an annual like relationship kind of provider you start to see people that you haven't seen in the past and maybe you enjoy that a little bit, but ultimately it's like, there's a lot of work to do and it, it gets heavy real fast. So when you share those, I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, it's funny, but then it's also more sad than it is funny. Yeah. Nothing like a good Facebook memory to yep. make you very grateful for where you are today. And you know, 13 years ago, you were employed by someone else. And so being a business owner is in no way, shape or form easy, um, but so grateful for where we are and that we do have the time and financial freedom, which is what we uh, boast over here at DBA that we're selling, right? Uh, selling the dream, but we do have that now. And it's so nice um, that all of the work has paid off and taking the risks has paid off and thinking about, no, there has to be a better way. There has to be a different way. And whatever pain that might take to set that up or put those processes in place is worth it to have the time with friends and family, um, you know, to live life and not just be in the office all the time. So yeah. anyway, super grateful. I'm glad, I'm glad you led that charge and decided that there had to be a better way. Yeah. Um, that better way that we talked about, it's, it, it was a lot of pain because even, I don't know, these memories may continue to pop up seven years ago. It still wasn't as good as it is now. Two years ago, it wasn't as good as it is now. It's getting better every year. And I think about those and, and you said it, like I was working for somebody else and I went out um, and started DBA 11, 12 years ago. And like there's different pain points that come with ownership and managing team members. Our job now is to make, make it to where those team member spouses don't share these memories uh, or the pain that we had to live through. I think that's where we're a little bit more accountable or in the know to our team. And we want to make sure that there is balance. So part of why we shifted our model to go to this team concept, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about here today, I think, is that team of three that serves every one of our all-inclusive clients. That team of three is made up of a client service manager, a client controller, and a client CFO. So my, at that time in my life, 13 years ago, I was probably more a client controller in that firm. And we didn't call it that. It was probably just like a tax senior, tax manager, whatever title that an accountant would only care about. And at that point, it was just you, you just work like you're just a grinder and there was no model. There was no team around it. So 
we embraced that team approach over the last few years, over the last few years here. And it's been a game changer, not only for us as business owners, but for the rest of the team, as far as balance is concerned. Yeah. And so with that, today we are really highlighting our client controller role within DBA, within our team of three. Um, Even within that client controller role, there are responsibilities both on the financial side as well as the tax side. So our client controllers are responsible for compliance. So they are looking at uh, tax returns uh, and preparing those returns, reviewing those returns. They are looking at tax strategy and tax projections throughout the year. Um, Our team makes sure that sales tax, payroll, payroll taxes, those types of things are done. Uh, But also we don't leave it to one team or one department that only does tax. So they get to share in both. They have the knowledge of what the business is doing, their client's business is doing throughout the year financially so that they can really optimize that tax preparation for the client and present opportunities of savings. Yeah. The, uh, it just came to me like the client controller we've here, we've said here recently is kind of in charge of the historical, um, information. I would say the client service manager is in charge of like the present, uh, information because they're in the like books immediately. They are also, uh, running payrolls and helping with like day to day. And then the client CFO is, future. So you've got past, present, and future all represented in that team of three. We should really plan something around that. Um, That's right. But do we have to wait till, um, do we have to wait till Christmas for Christmas? Maybe, maybe that'd be a cool (laughs) commercial. So, um, but I think because that client controller is kind of the captain of historical and uh, they need to make sure that the historical information is so accurate, so clean, and tells a good story of where we've been as a business that the business owner and the client CFO that helps the business owner can make decisions based on that historical information. Part of that historical information is also the compliance that is based on that historical information, like tax returns, like property tax renditions, all that fun stuff. But the difference between the client controller and the team of three and just some tax manager at another firm is you only have a set number of clients that are in your care. And we know that going into it. So you you know who you're going to care for from quarter to quarter, from year to year. And there may be a few changes here and there. uh, But overall, you kind of know the industry you serve and the client base that you have. And you can set yourself up for success throughout the year and make your you know, what I would say your filing season, not your busy season or your tax season, but when stuff actually gets filed a little bit easier and a little bit more manageable because you've done the hard work leading up to that point. So, um, yeah, fractional controller, uh, client controller is really at the, at the heart of that relationship in the team of three. Yeah. And I love how within the fractional controllers within our team, they are no longer a transactional relationship where they only see that tax data and pick up that tax return, speak to that client once a year um, during this like first quarter of the year, but they actually have a relationship with the client. They are 
in communication with. It may not always be phone calls, and it's likely never an in-person meeting. We do so many of our things uh, via video conference uh, virtually, but they are in their uh, accounting file on a monthly basis. They are uh, creating their financial statements and speaking into those every single month. So not only are they offering tax savings opportunities, but they're also looking at trends month over month in the business and really breaking down those financial statements as far as profit and loss and balance sheet and looking at, okay, how is this different from last month? How is this different from last quarter, last year? What are the reasons driving those changes? And what are the things that the client needs to look out for? Um, client CFOs a lot of times come along and help them with strategies to put in place with what do we do now? Um, but oftentimes the client controller can speak into that as well. Like we need to look at this and this is what you need to do to move forward for next month. So we're not looking at this again. So yeah. uh, they get the client controller really has an insight into the whole client um, and not just one piece of that client. Correct. Yeah. I think, um, the number one responsibility of the fractional or the client controller is accessible, accurate, and up-to-date financial data, just because it is building on the client service manager, their daily, their present uh, working in the file or in the business. That client controller sits there. So they're scrubbing the file, making sure there's no errors, uh, making sure everything is in the right spot. So they like a clean and tidy, you know, chart of accounts, balance sheet, P&L, whatever those financials are. And they also like the timeliness of that data. You know, stale data can't, can't be useful after a certain point. And so the client controller is really the one driving the effectiveness of kind of the front end of the relationship. Yeah, we like to say that be, with our controllers looking at the financial data on a monthly basis, they don't just make sure that it's clean, but they really are making sure that it's optimal. So do you have like an example of um, maybe even just expenses, how they're, or income, how it's categorized, whereas this isn't wrong, but this would be more optimal. So have there been occurrences like that where controllers have been able to change maybe how something was done pre prior to coming to DBA and then how we were able to change and make that better for the client? Yeah, there's two examples that I can think of. And one is a few years back, there were changes to the way meals and entertainment were handled. And so like even entertainment, like we love the Houston Astros and we, we are part owners of season tickets in the Houston Astros. And if a client came over and their chart of accounts haven't been changed, um, to break out entertainment, which is now non-deductible, as bad as that stinks. Um, those tickets just aren't a tax-deductible expense. You can still pay for them out of the business. They can still be a business expense, but they will not be a tax-deductible expense. And so, and the same with like meals. Meals for a little bit were 100% deductible because of COVID um, kind of law changing and things like that to encourage people to come back to restaurants. Now that's, you know, kind of going back to the 50% and things like that. So those are a small change that our client controllers with the CSMs had to work with and work with the clients to make sure things were properly coded along the way. The second example is if you have conversations with the client and the CFO where it's, 
we intend to have an exit or have somebody else look at these financials in the near future because we're going to sell or we're going to apply for a loan. That may also change how some of the information is presented and that client controller handles the financial data. So in that case, if there's discretionary expenses that flow through the business that the new business owner would not have, or that we want the bank to consider discretionary expenses, how those are set up on financial statements on the P&L kind of as other expenses or discretionary expenses in the financials. We want that to be very clear and that all happens. We kind of back into it. So that's, that's a goal of the business. And then how that happens from financial data all the way to as simple as when the bank feeds start flowing into the QB file, we want to make sure that those go the right way. Yeah, so accurate financial data and even maybe even um, more true to what our controllers do of optimal financial data for whatever the goals uh, may be, whether that's just as much tax savings as possible or making the business as attractive to an outsider as possible. Um, both are taken into account. The controllers at DBA are also responsible for the compliance. So we talked about the tax preparation and tax projections. And then um, they're also responsible for presenting tax saving opportunities. And so really just maximizing those opportunities, if it makes sense, depending on the goals of the business. Um, I know a lot of times you say there are instances where you you don't want to show a loss every single year, or you don't want to pay zero, have a zero tax liability every single yeah. year. There are instances where it benefits you to pay some of that tax. And so um, can you share any of some, any recent tax savings opportunities that we were able to present to clients? Yeah, and the, so the client controller, like you said, their responsibilities build. So they've got clean and accurate financial data, they've got tax compliance or compliance, and then they have the tax savings opportunities, which you can only do those in that order. And then like the tax savings opportunities, that's what everybody wants, but you have to have the other two and then to kind of get to that point. So tax savings opportunities, uh, a recent one, and a lot of times people come to us and they're not structured the appropriate way. They just start business and start accepting customers or doing whatever their profession is and they don't give it much thought or they haven't visited with the right people, whether it's an attorney or a CPA or, or somebody else to tell them the right structure. So we can evaluate the structure if it makes the most sense for that business where it's at today, make some su suggestions and if there's any elections that need to happen. So we actually do that all the time. Uh, this week, we actually, made an S corporation election on a professional services business. We were able to pay um, reasonable salaries to the owner last year and get it on a W-2. So their tax savings alone by making that S corporation election was $30,000 just in one year. And that tax savings, let's say it was $800,000 or the, the income of the S corporation, which would have been subject to payroll taxes or self-employment taxes in the past, um, is no longer subject to, even if it's only the Medicare piece, which is 3% roughly, um, you know, that's kind of where we got that savings from. It was a, a little bit higher than at 3% because of their income level, but overall 
yeah, it just, those are the small wins. And in that situation where that S corporation election, it adds a little bit more administration. The good thing was they already had payroll set up. So it wasn't like we had to turn on payroll services. They already had a team that they were paying. So it's usually just in the election and the one more filing for the S corporation return. Um, but yeah, $30,000 a year, um, assuming they have similar profits moving forward. And, and that's just the, the controller kind of, they know that information and they, they kind of latch on to these opportunities that they see because they see good returns and they see bad returns. And so in the bad returns, they make suggestions along the way, like we can make a small little change here, whether that is an S corporation election or R and D credit or little things that may translate to dollars and maybe big dollars for that client. So let's ask the, the real questions, the real questions that people really want to know. When I hire a professional to prepare my taxes, I assume they're presenting all of the tax savings opportunities that ever exist to me. Why isn't that happening? Because so many people will call to our office looking for help to save on their taxes. So they yeah. call maybe and say, I need, I need a tax return prepared. Um, but the reason they say they need it prepared is because they paid way too much in tax last year. So the assumption is that whoever is preparing the tax return is going to present every possible tax savings opportunity to them. So can you talk a little bit about how that is not the correct assumption to be made? There's a lot of noise in the market today, whether it's TikTok tax advice or, you know, on the golf course, like it used to be like my buddy's doing this, you know, I think every situation is unique. And whenever you have a relationship with somebody that is a true professional service provider and has your best interest in mind, we all know the, the, or I say that, like most of us know the tax laws well enough to know which ones apply to which clients. Um, sometimes you will see a professional service provider being so busy preparing returns that they can't give accurate advice to a client. And, and that's, that's bad because they haven't structured their business the right way. They're just a volume shop and they can't give advice that is what we would call a tax preparer. Um, the piece where you have a relationship where someone is actually meeting with you, you're getting advice, that's proactive. And that's doesn't happen before that, that doesn't happen after the year ends. And so you have to have conversations with those people before the year ends. And that's still driven off of your unique situation. So a lot of times people that are W-2 employees and they work inside of a business, maybe both spouses work, they hear about people writing things off. You know, there's great memes out there and, you know, Schitt's <laughs> Creek has good sound bites. David's my uh, favorite for sure from Schitt's Creek. <laughs> but they, they hear about people investing in a real estate house and then they're going to, or, or a rental house, and then they're going to go write off everything that goes along with that. And it's like, dude, you have uh, another W-2, both both parties have a W-2 and you, you're not active in real estate. So you really, how are you getting this advice? And you have to have those conversations. And in order to have those conversations, you have to value those conversations enough to assign budget to want to have those conversations. So good advice costs good money. 
And that's the piece that a lot of people. <laughs> and good think, time. <laughs> setting aside time to yeah. actually stop and have the conversation. Well, and to learn the situation because every person's situation is unique. You know, you can kind of lump like parties together, but even that you have to do each client the credit to, to take them individually and understand where they're coming from and where their income is coming from and where their deductions may be coming from. So in order to do that, it takes time. And just like we went back to that previous conversation, you are exchanging time for money in, in most professional service businesses. And in order to do so, you just have, you have to be willing to pay somebody for good advice. And that may sound super cheesy or bad or whatever place of privilege. I don't even know, but you know, I can't expect an attorney to give me great advice if I don't know that attorney and he doesn't know me. But if I can call our attorney who knows us really well and knows my risk tolerance and how we do business and how we make money and everything that goes along with DBA, I know that he's going to give us the best advice and write things in a manner to protect us down the road. And even if I pay him hundreds or thousands of dollars to do so, it's money well spent. It's a more, um, more confident future uh, that something won't come up because we do have him in place on our side. So in order to minimize tax liability, there has to be proactive planning. There has to be knowledge of what's been happening throughout the year. There has to be a plan put in place to be able to take whatever steps it is and implement that strategy before the year ends. There are just very few opportunities after 1231 um, to reduce your tax liability. So yeah. having those conversations prior to December 31st is imperative if you are looking to maximize tax savings for sure. Correct. And it also depends on what you've got going on. So that W-2 couple example, they are limited versus like a business owner. A, a business owner has a lot more opportunity for planning. There's more tax law related to businesses that can be taken advantage of that can't be taken advantage of at the individual level. So, and that's why most of our clients are business clients because they value that advice that we know that comes along with the business and that the client controller leads throughout the year, essentially. Yeah, so we have talked about, we have talked a lot about our team of three approach. Um, we have talked a lot about our all-inclusive services that we don't just handle only tax or only the financial accounting side for clients, but that we really speak into the whole of their business. Some traditional um, tax preparers or accounting firms, they are very volume driven because they are very much focused on just preparing taxes, and that is deadline driven. They have a very short window to make that happen. Uh, another thing that we see that kind of differentiates us from a traditional annual relationship is the way that we price those services and those team members to provide the value to our clients. And so do you want to talk a little bit about why some accounting firms also shy away from even the tax planning. Yes, we'll prepare the tax return, but uh, can't, we don't, we don't do outside meetings or we don't do outside meetings during January through April. Yeah. Our industry, it, it's coming out of a legacy mindset. I think 
there's still a majority of uh, firm owners and tax preparers, like you said, that have done certain things the same way for decades and they can't get beyond how they value their time. And so for us, our model is completely different. Um, you know, we have a team approach. We know exactly what the budget should be for that team to serve that client well. And we build out our pricing based on the budget that it takes to install that team to help the business owner. And so with tax planning, some people shy away from that because it's an unknown. They don't know how long it's going to take. They somewhat know the, the savings that it could yield, but they still need to work through the diligence of actually going through the scenario for that individual to prove out that those tax savings can be achieved. And, and because that's not as clean cut as knocking out tax returns and just knowing how long it's going to take or the market value, they shy away from it. And there's less people in the market that do that. So it, it's kind of two different scenarios, I guess, um, in what we do versus what a legacy CPA would do or what they would feel comfortable to do. A lot of our friends who still run firms the old way um, look at us and don't want any part of how we do business because they want it. They want to grind for seasons of a year. And, and now those seasons just kind of all went together uh, and they don't have a break like we used to. Uh, we used to grind, have like April 15th through, you know, summer off and then would come back and kind of do the next set uh, of extensions and then go back off for the holidays. But that doesn't happen anymore. It's just you're busy all year long and the tax deadlines just kind of keep going. So it, it is, it's hard for people that don't understand that there could be a different way of doing business, uh, especially in the tax and the compliance piece. And that's why we are attracting um, people who want to leave the, those type of firms or those type of, you know, roles and responsibilities as a tax manager, as a tax senior, and they want to use their skill set in a different way to help the client CFOs and help the business owners grow their business. They want to do different things a different way. Um, and that's what gives us excitement. That's who we always look for as far as in client controllers. And we are always hiring those people. So um, it is one of those where there will always be a job opening for a good client controller here at DBA. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of times the more traditional or legacy firms, they don't know how to charge for their time because it is taking research to, to look for those tax savings opportunities. That does take time. It does take time to test and make sure and apply it to every individual client and make sure that it works, that it's optimized, that it's the most beneficial. Um, and the client's not willing to pay for that. <laughs> like, no, well, I'm paying you to prepare this tax return. I'm not paying for those six hours um, that you did, which obviously is likely going to benefit the client, even that we'll say small in comparison to the tax savings. They're not willing and they all, and almost always push back on that hourly bill because they don't care how long it took you to figure yeah. it out. They just want the savings um, and they have an idea in their mind of what they were willing to pay you and guaranteed it's not the actual amount of time that it took to help them, you know, find those savings. Yeah. The other piece is the client doesn't want to pay you for all the education it took 
to get to that point where you even know that that is an appropriate tax strategy. And so, you know, value-based pricing is a great thing. We've learned that from consultants and different, um, you know, attorneys or people that are involved in certain different aspects of business. Accountants are slow to change. Um, As an industry, we don't value ourselves probably as much as we should and charge for what we're worth. But there, there are changes uh, that we're starting to see in the market. And right now those changes are because there are fewer and fewer accountants every year and the amount of work just continues to go up. And so people are just naturally going up on price because there's fewer options in the market. So people are willing to pay a premium to actually get good advice and get their things timely. Well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Our client controllers, they are fractional in nature, meaning they serve multiple business owners and businesses. They, you know, really do take um, ownership of everything tax related with that business. And so our conversation has lended itself to just the time of year, um, but also because that is a huge responsibility that the controllers on our team do. Uh, we feel like that we have found a better way for them to be able to use that knowledge and expertise in tax without having to be Uh, chained to their desk for four plus months a year. So I think, um, yeah, you mentioned it. If anybody's looking for that type of a role, we are open to having a conversation. And if you are a client or um, someone needing tax preparation and you're assuming that the tax planning and tax savings automatically comes with that, um, don't be so quick on those assumptions for sure. Correct. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Everybody go apply at uh, DylanAdvisors.com careers. So Nice. All right. See ya. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.